um, but it's necessary. It's, it's something that God does in each and every one of us. And, and so we talked about growth yesterday with Pastor Ron, and, and again, he now knows he will be talking tonight. Um, so we're excited about that. I will go ahead and say now, without him listening, last week we talked about everybody pulling out a notepad and taking notes so it looks like I'm better than what I really am. I don't care if you play tic-tac-toe. Just make it look like you're taking notes. That way, as he turns around and sees you, you look intentive. Um, no, it's, uh, it's great to have him here this morning. We're blessed. I want to continue in a series that we started last week called Love Anyway. Uh, and we, we've been going over, we started a series called Life, and then we went into Life 2.0, where Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, not just life, but that you might have it more abundant. Abundant life, Life 2.0. From that, we talked about the key, the very last week of Life 2.0 was Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. There's a great book out right now by Jensen Franklin. Uh, it's Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. And, and that's hard to do because, as you know, love hurts. We've heard the song. We've said it. Love can hurt. But when you read Scripture, God's version of love is different than our version. God's version of love says love never fails. It never gives up. I uh, officiated a, a wedding yesterday, you know, just honored to be able to be a part, and uh, that was one of the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. It's the love chapter. You, you have to throw it in there, and, but it's a different love than what we're used to, and that got me to thinking about, okay, well, what do you do about the people that do hurt you in love? What do you do about those people that, that are, are uh, they suck the life out of you, quite honestly. I mean, they like wake up in the morning. And, and they think that one of the gifts of the Spirit is, is sucking the life out of you. And they're good at it. But I, and so I started thinking about these, these people and how do we love them. Jesus was able to do it. He was able to show love. How then do we, too, do the same? And it was Melissa who showed me. If you can throw that slide up for me. This was Mother Teresa that, that had this quote. And this is a, an adapted version of her full quote. But it's people are often unreasonable, self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Still do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it was between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. How do you love the people that make love hurt. You love anyway. Just because somebody else does it wrong doesn't make love wrong. Love still stands. Love is still true. The greatest of these, Jesus himself said, is love. We love anyway. Last week we talked about controlling people. People that try and manipulate, that try and control us. Uh, today I, I want to dive into a topic that I, I think a, a lot of us face quite often. And that's uh, critical people. Not you guys. I'm talking about people outside of our four walls this morning. People that will criticize you, that will try and tear you down, that always have something to say about the way you dress, that always have something to say about the way you live your life, that always have something to say about how you eat your food, about every single aspect of your life. There's people that, that love to just try and, try and get right in over the top of you and control and then criticize your life. I think uh, that may even be another spiritual gift. Love, joy, fault finding. 
It happens often, and, and I think every single one of us deal with, in life, we deal with critical people. It doesn't matter where you are in life, how, how big you grow or how small you become, no matter where you try and hide or where you try and stand out in the open, you're going to find critical people. You may work for a boss who's like that. Somebody who's always looking over your shoulder and, and you never hear from them in regards to praise. The only time you ever hear from them is when you've done something wrong or how you should be doing something different. Maybe you're an adult and you still have parents that criticize everything you do. I, I, I laugh at this one because my mom, I, I don't consider her critical, although she was certain that the Chinese were still trying to put yellow paint into everything that we were to control us. That beside the point, my mom would always, every time I saw my mom, she'd always tell me, oh, I, I see you're uh, wearing your hair flat again. And I would have, like, purposefully spiked it straight up. She's like, that, what, that's just your thing? You like your hair flat? No, that, why? It, she wasn't, there wasn't an, in, an intent to hurt. It was just the way she saw me. She always looked at me as an adult even. Well, you just like to wear your hair flat. I'm like, Nope. I don't know what I just did. Video, whatever it is, we'll just leave it. But sometimes, even as an adult, your parents will sit there and tell you, well, how you should raise your children. They'll sit there and tell you, well, well how you should be interacting with your spouse or telling your spouse how they should be interacting with you. Maybe a spouse who's critical about everything you do. The way you look, the way you dress, the way you chew your gum, the way you chew your food, the way you talk. How do we appropriately deal with, how do we love anyway those who are critical in our lives? I think that every single person faces criticism from time to time. Uh, I, there's nobody that's removed from being criticized. I, I myself, he, uh, as a pastor, you think, oh, you, you don't get criticized. Melissa and I find ourselves in the crosshairs of criticism all the time, just the same as anybody else. I can't count the number of people that that have never visited this church, they've never walked in the door, and they will approach me throughout the week and, and tell me why they can't come to our church because they know it's like this or it's like that or, or how this is done or how I teach this or how I say this. What? What? You've never been there. Well, yeah, but I have a friend who knows a guy who's got a cousin. <laughs> Melissa and I have had people sit in our office look us straight in the eye and, and tell us that they were fully invested for the long haul. And then within less than a week, within less than a week, my wife will receive a call from, from their wife saying, well, due to the way Corey teaches this, we're leaving the church. We're going to talk about hypocrites in two weeks. I'll save that one. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, we are talking about hypocrites in two weeks. Those people are hard to love too. But look, it, there, there's certain things that happen all the time. Criticisms happen all the time. I'm, <laughs> no matter who you are, no matter what you do, any kind of relationship, people are going to be incredibly critical. There's a quote, uh, it's attributed to Aristotle, uh, it, I'm not certain who wrote it, but, but it says this, it says, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Except in this day and age... Now, as well, if you do nothing, be nothing, or say nothing, you're going to have people that look at you and call you lazy. 
So even the quote about how not to be critical, you're still going to be criticized. There's nobody that's above criticism. So how do we approach, how do we look at the life of Jesus, how do we emulate his life in a way that allows us to walk with, to deal with, in relationship, people who are critical? I think if you're alive, we deal with criticism, and I think it's even more especially true if you're a follower of Christ. Jesus himself said, look, this is what they've done to me. How do you not even think they're going to do something to you too? It's going to happen. But greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world, right? Like you're going to be different from this world. Your values are going to be different, and you will be criticized. For some of you, criticism, it's wrecking relationships. There's families in here right now that are being torn apart due to criticism. Relationships with the spouse, relationships at work, relationships with family, with parents, with children, with siblings. Being torn apart all due to criticism. We have to learn how to deal with criticism. Today I want to give you four quick responses in dealing with criticism. When we see criticism, when we face criticism, I want to give you four responses that we can have. Number one, I think this is easy enough. When facing criticism, how do you respond? The first one, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't respond. Just because somebody criticizes you does not obligate you to a response. A lot of times we get this feeling, this idea that, well, if somebody says something about me, I have to right the wrong. I have to step in and make it right. But look at this scripture in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2.23 says this about Jesus. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You see, Christ himself, one of the examples he gave us was, was just to not respond when criticism comes your way. You see, he turned himself over. He entrusted himself to his father, to God. What did God say about me? He didn't have to defend himself. He didn't have to complain. How do you respond to critical people? Sometimes, sometimes you don't. There's another passage in Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now, now I want to look at this real quick because overlooking an offense is not the same as pretending it didn't happen. It's not pretending that it didn't happen. Instead, when you look into the, into the Greek, the Greek word, excuse me, the Hebrew word for this, it actually translates into a uh, overlook, it translates into like a, a rising up, a getting over it, if you will. We have our, our relationship principles that we teach every year here at the church. We keep a copy back here on the information desk, just a little business card size, and eight principles. This is how we're going to live. These are rules that we're going to, uh, principles that we're going to live our lives by, how we choose to relate to each other. Forgiveness is number one, but forgiveness is not something that, that happens. It's, it's a choice. It's something I make a conscious effort to do. I rise above the situation. I overlook an offense, because offenses will come, but I overlook, I rise above it. It's saying, I realize that this isn't fair. I know that I could get angry. I could fight back. I could retaliate. I could become defensive. But I'm choosing to rise above it, to to overlook it, to let it go. I'm not going to wait for three months to be upset about it, to become bitter about it. I'm going to choose right here in this moment to rise above it. Sometimes you don't 
respond. I'm choosing right now to love anyway. Regardless of what somebody did with what they said was love towards me, I know that love is still true and that love never fails, so I'm going to love anyway. Because I'm called to God by a higher purpose. We rise above it. Um, I, I think that... Uh, There, there's situations that occur, and even in, I, I joked earlier about instances that Melissa and I have had in our 20 years of, of ministry. Uh, it's something that all of us face. There's, real, there's people that, 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 and I don't even think it's, it's intentional. There's some that is, but there's some people that even in their love, they, they criticize and they hurt you. And it's, it's a choice to rise above it, to not take on an offense. To say, you know what? This relationship is more important than whatever this issue just that came up. I, I'm going to overlook, I'm going to rise above, get over this issue. I, sometimes you just simply don't respond. The second response would be that sometimes you respond carefully. Oh, can you jump back one for me? Sometimes, there we go. Sometimes you respond carefully. Now, I, I wrote this up there because I think our natural response is to react instinctively. Some of your reaction times are very commendable. Some of you wear them like a big proud badge on your chest at how well you can come back. I actually used to think of... Like, how many of you are, are those people that, that after the fight is over, you go home and you think of the things that you could have said in that instance? And you wish you were that person in the instance that you could just spit it out. <laughs> There's wisdom in responding carefully. See, you're the wiser person, even though you go home and wish that you could have been the other. There's wisdom in responding carefully as opposed to intuitively reacting. You see, intuitively reacting, those are, those are based on emotions. And when emotions are high, wisdom is low. You're not being led by the Spirit, you're being driven by emotion. See, reacting is an emotion, and, and we have to be Spirit-led responders. It's carefully thinking about it. There's a uh, a beautiful story in the Old Testament about a guy by the name of Gideon. Uh, and, and if you've ever studied, you know, Greek mythology, Spartans and, and, and you know, the Trojan War and, and all these great stories, man, go back and read Gideon and read some of these stories and you, you kind of realize where, where some of these old tales may have even come from. But the story of Gideon is, is beautiful. Here is this guy, not a warrior in the army. He was just a, an ordinary guy. But all of a sudden, he had had enough of the enemies coming in and, and just berating and tearing down his people, his land. And, and so he rose up with 300 and, and just went on a rout of the enemy. But it, with Gideon, there's a, a passage in Judges chapter 8, starting in verse 1. And, and Gideon with his 300 is going along, and it says this, the Ephraim, those people right there, they asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when, when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. I wrote another version up there. Another version actually says they criticized him sharply. 
You see, a lot of people in anger, when their emotions are high, will all of a sudden, without full information of what's going on, will start to judge, will start to criticize, will start to berate you. Sometimes a careful response is all that's needed. Gideon goes on, he didn't defend himself, he didn't fight back, he didn't say this isn't fair, he simply responded, and scripture says, verse 2 starts, he says, but he answered them. You see, a lot of times we get this mentality, this idea that, well, I don't owe you an, I don't owe you an answer, I don't owe you a reason, and all that does is continue to make this, this issue worse, when sometimes nothing more than a, a careful response would completely ease the issue. It goes on in verse 3, and it says, At this, with his answer to them, at this, their resentment against him subsided. Sometimes a careful response is warranted. I think a a great example of this is is parents with children. How many uh, parents here in the room have ever used the phrase, because I told you so? Sometimes the lesson is you need to learn because I told you so is because I told you so. But sometimes, how many of you know as well that, that a, 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 an answer is warranted? There's a, there's a deeper lesson that needs to be learned where, where I told you so isn't going to cut it because that's not, that's not what you're trying to teach in that moment. In that moment, you want to sit them down and you want to say, look, I, I want to show you the reason why I'm saying you can't do this or you have to do this. This is happening. This isn't happening. You don't see this in life. You, you may not realize this, but... As a parent, there's, there's a lot more things that you may see in a child's life that they still are oblivious to. And so there's times when, when an answer is warranted. I think a lot of times, so the same with critical people. There's, there's some times when a real answer, a real response, often gives an understanding that they may not have had before. At some point, you're going to do something and someone's going to criticize you. Why? Why would you go back to school? You know how old you are? (laughs) Or or maybe it's, why would you go into full-time ministry? You have have scholarships to these great schools. Why Why would you choose ministry? There's others that deal with so many different things. Why do you serve those hours at church? We know you already give your money and now you give your time too. Why? Why do you do that? Moms, I think, may have it the hardest. What? You're going you're gonna to be a stay-at-home mom? But you're empowered. You're supposed to be able to go out and do whatever you want and have a job. And then those that have a job, what? You're going you're gonna to go to work and leave your kids alone? You terrible mom. Why wouldn't you stay at home with your kids? There's no winning, right? People just want to be critical a lot of times. Sometimes no response is needed, but other times, depending even on the relationship, you offer context, you explain, and, and that makes sense to someone. And just like here in, in this passage with Gideon, all of a sudden they hear the, ang- the, the, uh, the answer and anger subsides. You don't react, you respond. Sometimes, I think a lot of times when somebody's incredibly critical, I think the thing we need to remember is that criticism a lot of times isn't about you. I've found that A lot of angry people are hurting people. A wound, something that shouldn't have happened, somebody that that was supposed to have loved them and and didn't love them correctly, and and now they have a tainted, a, a, a skewed view of love. And it comes out in a critical spirit about everyone else. Have you, 
Have you ever met like an, an outgoing, happy, always positive person who's banging out threats on Facebook? I'll walk away from that one. Like the type of anger, it's born out of wounds, out of hurt. So when someone's hypercritical, instead of feeling defensive, what do we do? We, we love anyway, instead of taking it personal. How do we respond when people are incredibly critical? Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we respond carefully. The third one, oh, this is where it gets tough. Occasionally, occasionally you might need to listen and make a change. Now wait a second, Corey. <laughs> hold, hold on. Look, I was, I was good when you told me just to forget about it. I was good when you even said that second one, give them a piece of my mind. But this whole inner reflection thing, we're, mm -mm, uh, mm -mm, we ain't doing it. Sometimes the people who are being hard on you may be right, but you won't listen. If everyone tells you you have a problem, chances are pretty good you might be a redneck. <laughs> or maybe if you, if you are always thinking that your wife is a nagging critic and that this message is for her, but she's always nagging you about the same thing over and over again, you might want to check it out. If your mom or dad, all of your friends tell you that, that you're, you're dating the devil, and you're sitting there going, no, nah, we're in love. He's not like that. No. You might need to look into it. Sometimes there's wisdom in listening and making a change. Proverbs 15 says this, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you don't, if you always reject discipline, you only harm yourself. I, I myself, in, I've learned, I don't want to say just as much, but I, I've learned so much, even from critics, just as much as those who believe in me. You can learn from anybody if you have a love anyway heart to receive. There's so many areas of my life that I, I think are better because of constructive criticism. People in my life that I knew did care about me and that spoken to me. Ron is, is one. He's had to take me to the woodshed a couple times. But they've helped me be a better dad. They've helped me be a better husband. They've helped me be a, a, a better leader. They've helped me be a, a better pastor. But it, it comes from a heart of, of not automatically getting defensive and putting up walls, but instead listening and, and receiving. Making a change. If you aren't listening to constructive criticism, you're missing opportunities for growth. How do you respond to criticism? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you respond carefully. Occasionally you listen and you make a change. And then number four, whereas all the other three are, are a sometimes. You may do this, you may do this, you may do this. I think number four is something we always have to do. We always have to guard our hearts. 
I, I, uh, I said this last week about controlling people, and I want to bring it back to with, with this series here. I, I don't want us to just concentrate on, on how other people treat us, but I want us as well to be able to recognize, to realize when we have the tendencies in our own hearts to try and do this to other people. With criticism, I think something that's, that's uh, to me, peculiar, it, 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 it bodes showing you guys what this says. Scripture says this about Satan. Satan in Scripture is called by a number of different names. One of those is father of lies. People who criticize usually use half-truths to come at you. Another name for, for Satan, for the devil, is also called the, he's also called the accuser of the brethren. He's a critic. You see, a, a critic can come at you, and, and in coming at you, when he can accuse the brethren, we can, when he can start doing this, all of a sudden what he does is he causes you to, to walk in shame, to walk in guilt. I think a lot of times in our righteous indignation, we think that God has called us to be an accuser of the brethren. But we justify it as, well, I'm helping your life. I'm, God has told me to, to say this into your life. But, but what we're really doing is we're just criticizing other people. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Guys, I don't want my words, I never want my heart or my spirit to be cutting, to be detracting, to be uh, life-taking from somebody. I want my words, my heart, my spirit to be life-giving, to build others up, to encourage one another into godliness. We justify our criticisms because I think in our ignorance we, we think it's right to tear things down. In church, can you see the way she dresses? She would wear that in the house of God? <laughs> my boss, what an idiot. Not my boss, I'm saying other people think that. <laughs> Sitting at the game going, God, man, that coach should be fired. Jeez, why would they run that play? <laughs> if I had money, I wouldn't spend it the way they do. We have no idea how incredibly critical our own spirits can be. But we have to guard our hearts against that. Against the tools that, that the enemy uses in our lives. The very things that he comes against us with, he then kind of shows you, hey, you can use that in others too. And now just the same, you're now putting on other people reasons for them to slip into, into shame, into guilt. We're never called to be anyone else's judge. We're called to love people. Scripture talks about the, the parable of the sower. But how often in church do we criticize how somebody else sows their seed? Look at that. And they're just throwing it on rocky ground. Isn't that ridiculous? What a waste. Look at that. You see him over there? He's throwing it over there in those weeds. Stuff will never grow up. It's going to get choked out over there. We're not called to judge. We're called to sow, to love. There's enough negativity in the world without us adding to it. There's enough hatred in the world. There's enough angry people in the world without us being one of them as well. You want to be different? You want to be set apart like Christ says that we are? Try being happy. Look, I, I don't want to be 
one who's looking for something that's wrong. I want to be one who's looking for something that's right. If you want to look for something to be critical about, you can find it anywhere. You can look for it everywhere. But if you want to look for good, if you want to see God working, if you want to see people growing, you can see it and you can become what you focus on. But you have to guard your heart. How? How do we, how do we guard our hearts? We talked about this last week, but I think the first step is just becoming deeply grounded in who we are in Christ. We talked about uh, uh, clarifying your calling, knowing who it is that, that has spoken into your life, whose you are. This is who I'm called to be because I, I know that if God is calling me, then that's who I'm supposed to be, regardless of, of what other people say about me. I told y'all throughout the life series, I brought up my little, my little note card from, from Ron Corzine with the simple words, I believe in you, written across the front. I, I can't tell you the amount of times when, when I've walked out of here and, and somebody has said something, in the, you know, somebody said something, and, but I can always go back to that card and I can say, nope, I know who I am. Even more so than just that card is, is knowing God's authority, God speaking through him into my life. I know who God's called me to be. There was one particular moment when somebody came at me and they, they said, man, Corey, you need, to, you need to change your preaching style. We're going to leave this church. We don't like the way you teach. It went off for a while, and, and I called Ron and just, you know, I'm, I was hurt. I was broken by it. And, and he said, look, Corey, I'm, I'm going to give it to you straight. If you, you change your teaching style, I'm going to come up and whoop you. And I, it, that wasn't exactly how he said it, but I got the gist. I understood. God called me to be me, and that's why God set me here, just to, to do what I do, not to do what, what somebody else tells me to do. And if, if I live by the criticism of other people, then I'm going to fail. Now, with that as well, hear me, hear me, hear me, because in guarding your hearts, just the same, if I live by the criticism of others, if that can destroy me, so too can living by the praise of others. I'm not driven by praise, nor am I derailed by criticism. If I live by the presence of your praise, I will then die by its absence. You want to know how people fall into the, the, the shame and the guilt of criticism? It's because at one point they were living in the aura of praise of somebody else instead of the right people. I got to get to the place in my life where I'm not motivated by praise from people, nor am I derailed by the criticism. I don't let compliments go to my head, and I don't let criticism go to my heart. Why? Because God has called you. I'm doing what God has called me to do. I don't have to tear others down to make myself feel better. And if you don't like what I'm doing, if I can't learn from it, right? If I can't hear from it, and if I can't see it in Scripture, if I can't come back to it and look at it and, and see, okay, is God trying to tell me something through this individual, then what do I do? I, I, I either don't listen to it or I respond carefully to it. But always, 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 I guard my heart. Critical spirits. There's a, a beautiful hymn I grew up singing called Blessed Assurance. There's a verse in this, in this hymn, Blessed Assurance, it says this, perfect submission, all is at rest. See, when I, when I know who can speak into my life, 
I can have complete rest because I'm not relying on what somebody says or doesn't says around me. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I, in my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. You're assured. You're confident. We're not driven by the flesh, but we're responding, driven by the, the Spirit of God. This is who God called me to be. If you don't like it, and I can't learn from it, we move on. Because again, like we said last week, some of you are so wrapped up in what everybody else thinks of you, and it really is a form of idolatry when you start to, to put emphasis on what others think of you as opposed to what God says of you. I'm not going to let their praise go to my head, and I'm not going to let their criticism get in my heart. God never looked at the world and said, this is bad. He created good. He looked at what he created and he said, this is good. But when what he had created, when the good he had created went bad, he sent love that never fails, righteousness through his son. Why? To restore what had turned bad back to good. The beauty of it was there was, there was no, well, you're bad and, and that's it. It's, that's the finality. It's, it was this, this look into a life and say, I, I, I created that. That's good. Just because, just because you're now operating or acting or, or walking in something that's bad, it, it doesn't remove you from my presence. What it does is, is it lets, lets me know that, that I, I need to restore this relationship. I need to bring this back. And he sent his son, his only begotten son, that whosoever, that anyone that believes in him would never perish but would have everlasting life. He loved anyway. Even though we took love, even though we, we took it and we tainted it and we, we tore it up and, and we made people hate. He looked at, he, he said, I, I got to restore love because love never fails. To redeem what was bad, to bring back what was dead, back to life. You see, that's, that's what we're called to do, that's just, just the same. But I go so that the Spirit may come, may fill you up with my power, that you may walk, that you may spread the good news, that you may be, what, salt and light. What is, what is salt and light? Salt, it, it flavors things. It, it enhances things. Light, it, it brightens, it uplifts, it encourages. That's who Jesus was. When light walks into the room, people should recognize it, should see it, and should not be scared of it, but instead should be drawn to its warmth. We lift spirits, we encourage one another, we, we build each other up in the faith, we point people to Christ. We love, we encourage. Yes, yes, we, we tell the truth, I, I, but we do it in love. And not some tainted version of criticism, but, but as he did, it's in sowing, encouraging, and, and hoping to grow, and hoping to, to build. We let iron sharpen iron. Because we're called to rise above, to overlook an offense. 
Not living for the approval of people because we are already, we have the approval of God who looked at at each and every one of us and he said, those who who so much as just confess with their mouth, that believe in their heart, that Christ is Lord, you are my son, you are my daughter. You are righteous. You see, we look at people and we we see the hurt, we see the guilt, we see see the darkness, we see all these other things and, and God sees just the opposite. He looks in and says, no, I see the good. I see love anyway. We don't have to live for the approval of people because we already have the approval of Christ. It's just a matter of us stepping into it, walking in it, realizing this is who you are in Christ and that frees us. It frees us to choose love anyway, just like Jesus loved. If you bow your heads with me, Lord God, I, I thank you. Lord God, I thank you for a group of people here today, Lord, that, uh, that are different. Lord God, we're, we're not going to be the status quo, Lord Jesus, but we do want to raise the bar. We want to challenge each other. We want to encourage each other, but, but not with an anger, not with a, a right hand of fellowship, but Lord God, but with, 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 this, with this relationship, a coming together, a building up, a, a reaching across the aisles, across the, the different, different areas, Lord God, the divides and, and saying, as you said, come unto me, all you who are weary, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord Jesus, we look to be an example of who you are. And I pray, God, that you would speak to all of us uh, directly, Lord Jesus, this morning in regards to how to deal with and how to reflect and look at criticism within our own hearts, within our own lives, as well as dealing with those around us. I pray, Lord, that we would be grounded in, in who you say we are. Not emotionally led, driven, Lord God, by, 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 uh, by flippant change within the world around us, Lord God, but instead standing upon the rock that cannot be shaken. Our assurance found in him. Help us be assured, Lord God, that, that regardless of any criticism that comes against us, if there's truth in it, Lord, we, we pray that we help you help us to, to learn from it, to change But through it all, Lord God, to rise above it and to know that we don't always have to respond. But Lord, to to bring a solution through wisdom, through your scripture, into any situation. Give us a heart, God, to to see you working. And instead of tearing down, Lord, then I pray we, we, we would be a people that you would use to build up as often as possible. Pointing people, Lord God, to the good work. Sowing seeds, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, for this body for the work that you're doing in and through your people. Use us, Lord God, to be life givers, not just life takers. In the name of your son we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, I can't encourage you enough. Again, come on out tonight. We're going to have a great time of fellowship for Taco Sunday. It's going to be taco-tastic. <laughs> We're encouragers. Guys, God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>